Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss sustainable productivity and habit formation while avoiding the allure of hustle culture. Every episode, we interview guests who have got a solid habit and productivity game. We're your hosts, Joey. Hi. And Jeremy. He's Jeremy. Joey's a published author. A self-published, though. Has a background in psychology. Not registered, though. Has a deep interest in humans. Only some of humans. And a strong interest in habits and connections specifically. Oh, that's true. And Jeremy is a software developer with ADHD. And when he's not trying to come up with ways to stop himself burning rice, he enjoys doing a three-hour morning routine and surprising colleagues by doing sets of push-ups during meetings to keep the energy high. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Welcome to episode number nine of the Focus and Chill podcast. We're lucky today to have Amand Uno with us today. He's the host of the Play Hard podcast and he interviews entrepreneurs and founders about the habits and hobbies that keep them healthy. I was lucky to be on his show a while ago, really enjoyed talking with him and we're looking forward to flipping the tables this episode and interviewing him about his own habits and hobbies. Welcome to the show, Amand. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, um, it's, I'm not used to being on the other side, being on the hot seat. So it's going to be a good change, but I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, I was, it was great talking to you before. I'm excited to talk now on your show. Awesome. And I've got my co-host Joey with me, who's going to ask you some curly <laughs> questions, including the one that he'll ask right now. Hi, Amand. Welcome. I'm interested, uh, apart from the, the podcast that you run, what other projects are you concentrating on during your focused hours? Yeah, so the the podcast is one that takes it takes a lot of time outside of work. Like a lot of my focused hours, there are a couple chunks of my focused hours. There's like my focused hours of work, the ones that I'm doing for my nine to five job. But then I also have my podcast and like my projects that I like to complete on my free time. The one that's been taking up the most time for me for the month of November is I challenge myself to write an ebook in 30 days. So right now I'm I'm writing a book. It's been the project has revealed itself to be a full book, which is a lot longer than I would have expected to um, to write. But I'm I'm super excited to do it. I probably focus more on just sitting down and writing than I have on anything else in my life. So it's really excited, exciting. Um, but yeah, right now I'm just I'm I'm writing as much as I can to get it out on typed, you know, on paper. Um, but then I'm going to do an ebook for this month and then just like start testing out different blogs and different um, kind of like things that resonate with people on LinkedIn and Twitter as chapters and whichever ones work, I'm going to keep in the actual book itself and kind of write it, um, kind of write it in public with, with a bunch of the audience helping me out. So I know what actually works and what doesn't. Yeah. Nice one. Is, is the writing in public thing, is that a, 
I, I, there's a writer that I follow um, called David Perel that I first heard that from. Is that where you got it from as well? Or is that is that? I got it. Yeah, I got it. I was a part of um, Ship 30 for 30. I don't know if you guys have heard that, but um, what is it? Dickie Bush and Nick Cole, there are these like digital writers. They kind of coined the term digital writing, uh, kind of like writing on Twitter and LinkedIn. And one thing that they, they really champion is like, rather than starting from the book and then trying to sell it and being like, why is nobody buying my book? It doesn't resonate with people. It's like, start with they have this concept of like, you start small, like you write a couple LinkedIn posts. If it gets traction, then you turn that post into a, a Twitter thread. If the thread gets traction, you turn that into a blog, which then you turn that blog into a full article, then you start turning that into books. And it's it's something that's really resonated with me. Um, because I yeah, sometimes I do have that kind of artist mindset, the, the negative artist mindset of like, why is no one paying attention to my stuff and all this? And it's like, you know, sometimes it just doesn't resonate with people. So this is a great way of finding a balance of like, what do I like to write and what resonates with others, put it together. And you got um, a, a valuable book, like a book that has valuable content for people. Yeah, I think it's always a fine balance between writing about what you're really interested about versus what the, the market wants. Because like, on yeah. the one hand, I've, I've heard that you can't really fake it. If you're not interested in what you're writing about or what you're talking about, your audience will know. And that the passion that you can bring to a subject is is can be instantly alluring and compelling. And yeah. so that that's on, on one hand you wanna you wanna definitely talk about your passions. And on the other hand, it's like you wanna be able to talk about what people are interested in as well. So yeah, I I one hundred percent agree. Actually my writing started, like the journey itself started on uh, well, my digital writing journey. I've been writing my whole life, whether, you know, I didn't always like it in English class, but it's been, it's turned into something that I love. And we can talk about the habit of journaling and how that happened a little down the line. But to me, it was on LinkedIn, um, just for my job, I was, I was cold emailing, cold calling people, and I was trying to do sales. And my mentor just kind of recommended, hey, why don't you start writing valuable lessons on LinkedIn? And then you kind of, you're a little bit of a warmer lead, like people know who you are. And even when you cold call them, they look up your LinkedIn and they'll see you've been providing value to the, you know, ecosystem and whatnot. So I was doing that for cybersecurity. And every day I was writing like this long piece for cybersecurity. And I was noticing it was taking me a whole bunch of time to think it through, edit, write it. I wasn't giving it my best. Some days I just didn't want to show up. And you could kind of tell, you could feel it in my writing that this just wasn't my... Like, I love cybersecurity. I love being in the industry, but it's not something that I could sustainably write about. It's not like my passion, passion. Like, it's something that I enjoy doing. It, does that make sense? Like, it, there's like this, um, yeah. it's like in that interesting spot. So I realize now it's like when I sit down to type, I, when I talk, talk about the stuff I want to write about in my book, it's like, I, I don't have to think, I just write. Like, I, there is no... I don't, I don't, the topics show themselves up and I just like expand on what I know about this. Like, I don't have to think about it. So it's, I'm starting to feel this, like, um, it's like a hose. You can't turn it off. Like it turns into a fire hose, like just keeps coming. And I just, I enjoy that feeling. I, it's so good. Like actually getting in the flow. It's awesome. Yeah. Being, being in the zone and like having, having that fire hose and I, it's, it's, uh, it's can be very compelling and, uh, like I guess the the thing is sometimes it can be difficult to know to 
when when you're in that flow and when when you're in the zone it can be difficult to know when to switch off so you can you can keep yeah. things sustainable and keep a sustainable pace uh, i think i think jess has some questions for you about um how you how you manage that and what you like to do in your off time yeah but before you do that you've been creating all this suspense what's the book about um, so it's actually, you know, it's relative to podcasting. It's relative to to people. It's about um, how to turn a surface level conversation into an either intelligent or intimate conversation. It's basically like I'm someone who has always been a very uh, deep person. Like I, I'm a very extroverted person, but I also spend a lot of my time thinking like, on what, why I believe what I believe. I, I spend a lot of time thinking, why do others do what they do, believe what they believe? And a lot of my conversations just naturally, even if I have just met the person in like 10, 15 minutes, will already be like sharing some personal stuff. So many people are like, wow, this was a lot deeper than I expected, things like that. And I've noticed it's like, I'm just more a fan of deep conversation and getting to know people that way. And so I've noticed you know, all my life, I felt a talent for that. I felt like it's just something I do. I'm, I really like so I want to do that and turn around and write a book about it and teach people kind of like the things that just happened to me there. A lot of people do them. And I guess I've just learned it along the way. But like writing a book about how to actually like, almost manufacture that where it sounds kind of gross in that sense, but like, let just make deep conversations happen. Like it is possible. And the more I write about it, the more I'm like, wow, every single time I've had this level of conversation, it follows this kind of pattern or like these kind of frameworks. So I just want to get it out on a piece of paper and then start teaching people how to do that. Uh, it would be good. The The best um, use case I see for it right now is like when you're someone who, you know how you're a collection of like the five people you hang out with? I really do believe that. And a lot of times you don't hang out with the same five people. You go to networking events and you meet people that are similar to you, but you also don't like become friends or hang out with them right away. So I'm thinking like how to kind of attract and bring together these groups of people that are similar to you and actually become friends with them rather than just being like networking buddies or like you just see each other at these events. This is like the the current form of the book. I mean, it'll... Man, I've I've been doing it for what ten days, so like it could take different shape, but um, that's that's what the project has been revealing to me right now. Sounds really compelling. You're not going to like my next question then, because I was going to ask you what's the weather like over there. <laughs> no, just kidding. I, it, it sounds really important. The way that is it almost like there was this New York Times article a while ago, which was how to make a stranger fall in love with you, which is based on the principle of progressive self-disclosure, that there were 30 questions that you could ask a stranger where it basically yeah. escalates. Is it similar to that? But not not with the intention of well, necessarily making them fall in love with you for a dating context. <laughs> the thing about that, like what I've been and a lot of the research I've been doing, um, this is another reason why I say it's going to take a lot longer. Like now I want it to actually be backed by research, but that's going to take a bit extra time. So I want to do I do want to have like my own personal life experiences and like have that this is what's what I'm teaching. And then I, I want to have the real book to be like, this is research backed why it happens. But there are there are a lot of theories and like a lot of uh, interpersonal communications, um, science being done that subscribes to the fact that like, most relationships or like the reason that happens is like, there is a certain level of depth that you go and like, it usually follows this pattern of like, you start at this level, then you go down and you then you go like one layer lower and one layer lower. Um, and you can actually 
um, what's the word? Like make it happen, like not manufacture it. It's uh, cause that sounds so disingenuous, but like you can't, it is like most relationships follow like this framework, really. It's like this framework, like pr- from point A to point B when it comes to intimacy, um, which is very interesting. Mm, absolutely. Keen to hear about the, the other things that you get up to as well in, when you're not concentrating on the book or your podcast or your day job, what are your hobbies? Yeah. Um, those take so much time, but my hobbies, the things that I like to do for fun is, uh, I'm a musician. Um, I really like playing the bass. So I I say I'm a musician because I love music, something I've been doing my whole life, but it's not something I, I'm not a professional musician. I don't try to make money off this. It's purely for fun, but my brother is a professional musician. And, um, so he's like my roommate. He lives in the room next to mine. So we hang out, we jam a lot. Like a lot of times I'll go with him to open mics and just like be his bass player while he sings and plays guitar. So he has this loop pedal where he can make drum beats loop back and forth and make guitar uh, like rhythm back and forth. So it sounds like we have a singer, a lead guitarist, rhythm guitar, drums and bass player all in once. But it's just us two. Like it's so much fun. Uh, so it's pretty much like playing music, um, reading, and I have a motorcycle. So riding motorcycles is my other like big hobby. Those are those are kind of the things I do to unwind and relax. Nice. What kind of books are you reading at the moment? At the moment, I'm reading Build by Tony Fidel. I just started it, so I don't know much about it. But um, it was the guy. It was the the head of product at Apple while um, the iPhone was being made. So he was a part of like the iPhone team and a, and a couple other like really big products at over at Apple. And it just, he, he also, he's the guy who's like left and started a couple other companies and a couple big like named products in Silicon Valley. And it's just like his philosophy on building products, which goes along with my day job of I'm a product developer for a cybersecurity company. So yeah, it's, it's just something I I'm really curious. It's, it's really good. I think Jeremy, you'd like it a lot for, the fact that you you do build products, um, it's it's just really interesting on his mindset to creating something from nothing. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. And the motorcycle riding, is that something you do you like to go really fast or is it more about the, the scenery and enjoying the sensation of is the Is my mom going to listen to this? <laughs> um, I it. Yeah, I, I I can't even work around it. It is the speeds part of it. Like that's a fun part. I just to me, it's more the sense of of freedom. It's almost like a meditation when you're riding because like you need each all four of your limbs are part of it. Like each limb is doing something, whether it's braking, clutch, shifting. Like all of your limbs are involved. Uh, you need to be super aware. Like I have ADHD. And it's that's, you know, why I'm doing all these different projects at the same time. I can't just do one thing like that doesn't work. So for me, when I'm riding a motorcycle, it's like one of the few times that I get to experience what it's like to be like totally focused and inside of this thing. Because like, if I'm not, I put myself or someone else in serious danger. So like, I, I have to be in it. And it just gives me this sense of like, that level of focus gives you also a sense of freedom in a weird way. So I, I really enjoy it. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. I've, there was a, a book about flow and extreme sports. I'm, I'm a bit scared of injuring myself, so I, <laughs> I don't have a motorcycle. But I do get that yeah. from, say, even downhill skiing. If I'm, I yeah. get that sensation of you know everything else founders- gets blocked out because you you have existential danger in front of you, but it's also fun. 
Yeah. One of the founders that I interviewed actually on my podcast, he was really big into motorcycles. He's the one that told me about the book Built by Tony Fidel. He, so what he, this dude, so cool. He was racing dirt bikes up until his like mid fifties where he got a really like, he got kind of a gnarly injury and he still rides like that to me, like he was an example of, and he's why I saw it. A lot of founders that I've interviewed their hobby or what they do for fun. And like, I would even consider cross country skiing a part of this. They do like extreme sports because there is no like in between for entrepreneurs. They're either in it big time or not. And like that level of competition, I've interviewed race car drivers, like a founder who in his free time is a race car driver, this guy who races motorcycles, someone who um, like ultra marathon runners, they all like this sense of all founders, like a mental challenge and a physical challenge at the same time. Mm, yeah, interesting. Hopefully the the sports will enhance their health and longevity. Yeah. Speaking of that, Joey's got a, a question about how you enhance your longevity through your morning routine. Yeah, man, I'm curious about how your morning routine has started and how it has evolved over time. So my morning, actually, a lot of a lot of the evolution of my morning routine had to do after our episode, Jeremy, because I realized I've definitely. I get into these moments where I get super focused in on my morning routine. I feel like I have to do these things, but I was, I was doing it in a sense where like it was taking away from my day. Uh, so I realized there is, it is okay to start over your morning routine and start small. So one thing I really like Jeremy said is how he would build from like a couple minutes to, you know, 10 minutes, 15, then the, to, to like all of a sudden having a morning routine that's, that's really long and it works. Um, cause for me, I was, I was having this morning routine where I had to do like 45 minutes of journaling, 20 minutes of meditating, uh, an hour and a half at the gym and all. And like, by the time I was done with all this stuff, it wasn't even morning. Like I cut into a lot of my focus time at work. So I've, I've realized that by cutting back and scaling back some of my morning routine and that is totally like it's helped me out so much and what i've realized is whatever project i have on my plate my morning routine should reflect that so right now current morning routine wake up do about five ten minutes of meditating uh write in my journal for one page and then i i do an hour of writing for my book it used to be i go to the gym it used to be like i had to do three pages of journaling which takes a, a long time it used to be longer meditating but I've realized what is my big focus right now? Okay, well, of anything, I want to write this book. I can't let it cut into my work hours. Um, after work is usually when I work on my podcast. So I have time to do this um, this one, at minimum one hour of writing a day. And that's like helping having a morning routine based on my current goals is such a massive help. And then I go, go to the gym after and I'm able to start with work. Yeah, so my, so my morning routine evolves now based on the... What, whatever project is top of mind on my plate, that's what I'm going to f- focus and tackle on in the morning. Yeah, nice one. And so with, I guess, you, you have a few things going on in the mornings. I'm curious about, and you've got a nine-to-five job as well, I'm curious about whether like you wake up with an alarm or do you try to wake up naturally? Yeah, I, I can't do natural. <laughs> if, if I wake up natural, um, I wish, because I do feel more rested when I do that. Uh, I really do wish, and I know there's a point in my life when I will, but right now it's, I, I gotta use the alarm just because I've noticed 
And I'm, this is like the biggest thing I say on my podcast, biggest thing I tell people, like, if you want to find a routine, you have to find what works for you. Like what works for someone else isn't going to work. Like try as many different things. I've tried a full month of waking out without my waking up without my alarm versus waking up with my alarm. And I am so much slower to start my day if I don't wake up with an alarm. Because with an alarm, I've gotten used to just wake up, first alarm, go. Like I can, I can do that. But if I wake up without an alarm, I'm, I'm just staying in bed a little bit. Like I'm a little lazy, like I'm a little, uh, groggy. It takes me a while. And then I wake up at different times. So it's like, I have to do different things versus when I wake up 6am every morning, I leave my alarm on the other side of the room. So I wake up 6am, turn it off and I can immediately start my morning knowing like, okay, it takes me this amount of time to do this. takes me this amount of time. Like generally I know I'm on time with my mornings sticking with it. Uh, which does sound a little bit regimented, a little rigid, but hey, that's what works for me, and that's what um, that's what what's been good. Yeah, I think I, I feel like we shouldn't be knocking necessarily regimented uh, because sometimes that I, I like to think that for things that you don't necessarily need to be present for, but you'd like to get done. Like let's say, for example, you don't enjoy working out particularly. I'm I'm not sure you didn't say that, but let let's assume you do. Uh, let let's assume you don't really get much satisfaction out of it, but you know it's good for you. It's like eating the vegetables that you don't like. I think there's yeah. something to be said about doing it like at the same time every day, because when you do that, it becomes habitual, and then you don't really think about it too yeah. much, and it becomes smooth. And from like a like a data tracking point of view, it's, it's something that keeps me, it's like my brain keeps me in check. It's like, I know how long these things take. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. So like, if I'm on track, then it gives me more freedom to kind of like, I don't have to, to worry about, oh, am I going to start work on time? Oh, is this going to happen on time? Like, I know what on time means. So therefore, like when I'm a little bit behind, I'm able to just like readjust versus if I start and wake up at different times each day, I don't know what the, how long it's going to take me or like what the patterns are. So it'll like, everything feels like one big readjustment. And then I just feel behind for the day. Is that, is that an allusion to, uh, Yoko Willing's um, Discipline Equals Freedom? Uh, it should be. I That's that's <laughs> one of the books that I really want to read. But I, I do follow and believe that discipline does equal freedom. I, I've listened to his podcast a lot, and I, I definitely subscribe to the thought that, like, it's a very counterintuitive thing, but I, I really do believe that you have more creative freedom when you take a lot of the, like, decision-making out of the mundane things. Like a lot, not like we only do have a limited amount of decision making per day. If you take a lot of those decisions out, then it gives you that freedom in other aspects. And I really would say like a lot of why I'm able to, a lot of my creativity, like why I like it is because I said, I have to do this book in 30 days. Like I could procrastinate so much and, and do, I, I could have been like, okay, this is going to take so much longer, like a sweep it under rug, whatever. I've told a lot of people that I'm doing this in November. So you, you bet I'm going to finish this by the end of the month, just because I know like this constraint, this like kind of discipline of you have to do it in 30 days gives me a lot of creative freedom to just like focus in and do it in this period of time. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that removing decision like removing as many small decisions as possible so you got a lot of energy for the big decisions the ones that the ones that really matter just has some questions for you about uh, what you what what other things you might do to optimize your creativity sorry your productivity during your work hours 
Yeah, it sounds like one of them is public accountability, telling people that you're <laughs> going to write the book. What other tactics do you have for making sure that you're productive both in your, your book writing and also in the nine to five job? Yeah, um, I would say public accountability is something I recently found out and it's something that has been one of the biggest helpers and push. Like my brother said it well, for me, I'm just someone that I work so much better and harder when they're, when I know the carrot that's dangling in front of me. Like I, I do my best to do this. I know it's better and I really try to be intrinsically motivated, but that just ain't me. And so I, I got to use with what I know. Like I got to go with my strengths. I know that I work really well when, um, the best accountability partner or project I've ever had was, uh, when I was doing this writing challenge on LinkedIn, but like a couple months ago, someone challenged me to write every day for 30 days on LinkedIn. I had to make a post every single day. And he said, I'll do the same thing. And this was our accountability. He's like, how much money are you willing to lose on this? I was like, I don't know, like 50 bucks, um, whatever, 50 bucks. And he was like, all right, 500 bucks. If you lose, if one of us broke, like if one of us didn't do a day, both of us would have to pay $500 to a charity we didn't agree with. So there was so many parts to this. Number one, it, the money still goes to a charity. So like it was something good, but it's something I personally didn't agree with, like something I didn't really identify with. So like someone was benefiting, but I was still being, you know, punished for not following through. And the second was, it was an accountability on like, it wasn't just me, it was me and my partner. I tried doing a similar accountability thing where it was the loser has to give the other person money. And there was at one point where I was like, I can't really do this today. All right, fine. Like I'll just pay this guy, whatever. This was not that. This was like, it's, I can't screw over my friend. So uh, having like public accountability has really helped. Like optimizing in in general or um, I would say another thing that I do to optimize pro my productivity more in like, not from an accountability, but like just a personal thing is, uh, again, ADHD, like it's really hard for me to focus. I feel, I feel that pretty, pretty difficultly difficulty i don't know but i noticed that it takes me longer and it's easier for me to break to get into the flow state but once i'm in i feel more locked in than the average person like i i, I can't explain it but like hyper focus kicks in and then i just feel super in the zone so i've noticed for me it's it's getting to there and what's worked to optimize my productivity is the pomodoro technique and then also having like binaural focus beats on and I know we talked about this on, on our episode, Jeremy, but like those two things are like, I can't stress enough how incredibly like life-changingly helpful Pomodoro and just having noise canceling music has been for me because it blocks everything out. And and also I recommend to anyone doing that who has ADHD, turn do not disturb on your phone just permanently. Um, pisses off your friends. Trust me. I will say my friends don't like that, but dude, I can't like, if I even get one notification, I'm scrolling on Twitter for like the next hour. So I can't have that. Um, so yeah, just like make under like turning my environment into something that's really beneficial for my focus. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I'm the same need that initial period of, of helping to get into the hyper-focused state and then also, I guess the, the other thing around that is, do you have problems defocusing after you get into hyperfocus or is it normally that you'll get maybe 90 minutes of hyperfocus and then you're able to detach after that? I would say it depends on what I'm focusing on. 
Like if I'm if I'm focusing on let's say writing the book, I uh, again set up my environment to have like ideas come from anywhere. So like I'm a big notes app person, and I also write things down in like free pieces of paper. So anytime an idea from the book comes, like I I don't want it to I don't want to lose it. What's that? There's like this one quote I really like that is um the problem with mental notes is that the ink fades really quickly. Uh, that's just some like something that really resonates with me because I forget things pretty frequently. So I think um, after I'm in the hyper-focus, like allowing myself the the space to know that like wherever I go, ideas can come and I'll be able to capture them is really helpful. But if I'm like super focused on something that's like an absolute waste of time, like maybe, um, I don't know, scrolling through the Wikipedia of a show I just watched and like trying to see every character's superpowers or something, like that's that's not really <laughs> helping me in my, my pursuits. Um, but then I will have a really difficult time breaking from that because I don't know, it's almost like this, like this curiosity that I have turns into like a, turns against me. And like, I just have to know everything about whatever it is I'm, I'm focusing on and it becomes difficult. So I would say it really much depends on what I am focusing on that the, that if it's good, then I, I set myself up to have like capture those ideas. If it's bad, then um, yes, I do have a difficult time breaking away, but I, I, it is important. I'm curious to know, like when you, when you get in the zone on something, how do you, like, let's say you've been in, in the zone on something during the day, how do you switch off at night? So you get a good night's sleep. I'd say the biggest thing for nighttime routine is like an hour before bed, definitely avoiding screens and just doing things that are like, like my nighttime routine would be reading. That's when I get my reading in, uh, is before bed. And I, I would like a physical book and then, uh, maybe like talking to family, hanging out with family, making me doing some music with my brother, just anything to, to not have my phone, like making sure that I would say the biggest thing is making sure that I know what I'm going to do the next day. So like having three to do's for my next day so that I'm not waking up stressed being like, what do I have to do today? I, I already have them set that. And then just having like a moment of seeing what good happened on the day, what could have been done better, like kind of taking note of that. Um, and then turning off my screens, turning off my laptop, and then just like kind of free forming that hour to have some sort of wind down activity. So whether it's reading um, doing music, just something, something where I don't think about work. Yeah. Nice one. And in terms of playing music with your brother at night, is there a difference between the, I guess the music that you play with him at night versus the music that you'd go to play? You mentioned playing gigs with him. Uh, is there a difference in the music or is it just whatever comes to mind? No, we're, it's usually jamming. He, he's someone that I, I've really been, um, inspired from his like uh, artistic ability and he's actually given me a lot of direction and like i have a a marketer's brain and uh, like a copywriter like when i would write in the past it would be for a specific audience to like sell something basically and the type of writing that that takes while it's also a craft is very different than um like writing a poem because that you're you're with a poem you're not thinking like who is who am I writing this for? What am I reading? A poem is like an expression of me and like how I'm feeling. Let me get this on a piece of paper. And he's helped me a lot as a musician. Just see like, just trusting your own 
creative talents. And I would say most of the time when we jam together, it's like we, even when we do covers of other people's songs, so to answer your question, we usually do uh, like the same thing we'd be doing out. So like, we'll just be practicing what we do on open mics. But even when we cover other people's songs, anytime I want to look up like the bass tabs or something, cause like, I'm, I'm not a skilled musician. I, he's like, no, 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 do it by ear. And like, he'll have me like, just try and listen for what sounds good. And like, he's like, make up your own baseline if you want to. Like, he just has me trust my own musical instinct. And it's just helped me learn a lot about creativity by listening to that, um, that you don't have to copy other people's stuff all the time. Like, you don't have to perfectly do it. You can, you can do it yourself. And it's honestly way more fun that way. Yeah, nice one. I, I'm very much envious of the people that can play music by ear. Um, I'm very much a, a tabs kind of person, but I am I am starting to realize over the past year or so that you can that you can actually um, train yourself to to hear better. Like um, yeah, you can like hear when if you're if you're singing. Here's a uh, here's like an I, exercise I, he does, and anyone can can try this. But this is how he is really good at guitar. So he would take his guitar. He would be pretty much playing guitar most time of most days and so he would just like watch tv and go up down the scales and do whatever but lately what he's been doing is anytime a song comes on on a show he tries to play along with that song and he does that he'll start putting his his phone on shuffle i went into his room the other day and like some rap song was going on and he was playing guitar and then it switched to a country song which like he doesn't even listen to much country but then he was still playing guitar too so like he'll just shuffle the songs and whatever comes up he'll try and play along with that to train his ear to play with anything yeah that's so wonderful i i do a similar thing or i used to anyway uh and the reason why i stopped was because i would play along with things and think i sounded good and then when I just tried playing it in isolation, it actually sounded terrible. And I think it was very much like I was just like relying on whatever I was playing over the top of yeah. to, um, to get well, back. Have you ever done that thing where you're like singing and then you turn the, f- the volume down on your, on your car and you're just like, oh, God, <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very confronting, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm also curious about the, the poetry side of things because – I consider I, I, I got like a, a bit of a strong artistic side to me, but like um, poetry is one of those things where I feel maybe, maybe I think of it too utilitarian, like, like it's too much of a utilitarian where it's like, I, I might listen to a poem and I'll just be like, I don't get it. Like, what's the takeaway from this? And one of my friends was telling me something along the lines of like, when you listen to a song, do you try to get a takeaway from it? And I said, no, oh, I don't really. As I think of it, think of poetry as the same way. And I'm curious about whether um, you. Oh, sorry, I, I don't think you actually said that you whether, whether you um, really appreciate poetry or not. I think you're saying your brother was uh, a like had a more of a poet poet's instinct to him. Yeah, but he uh, had like the artist side. Um, I I wouldn't say I don't write poetry, but it's something that I have done, and I wish that I could do. I just I I don't know. It's I, I was talking about it to someone who loves writing and I was like, I don't really know how to do poetry. He's like, dude, you just write. And it, it's one of those things like, like an artist telling you, you just paint. It's like, yeah, I get it. You, I could just pick up a paintbrush and paint, but like, what's, that's not going to look very good. Like, that's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I think artists have such a different brain. I try to take pieces from that, from that creativity. Uh, but like poetry is something that, Again, it's one of those things that I know at some point in my life I will get into, but right now I don't 
I, I don't have that calling. I don't have that same, like, like the same way that this book feels like it's pulling me in and like, I have to do this. I don't feel that for poetry. So I, I it's not something I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that that's makes probably sense. one of the, uh, one of the, the constraints that you have as well, that you can't do absolutely everything. You've got many projects on yeah. the go. Yeah. So I wanted to, true. to finish up with asking about some of the, the resources in terms of books podcasts apps or philosophies that you would recommend we heard about the ship 30 for 30 concept and we also heard about the build book and also your own podcast yeah anything else that you would recommend that our our audience consider yeah so the the biggest one that i have for for habits has definitely been atomic habits the book i'm sure especially you guys would know i've noticed for for my podcast being similarly to habits i mentioned this book a lot but it's truly like the greatest resource and I subscribe to that philosophy wholeheartedly that we relate to our environment and the way that our environment is set up around us helps our habits and our daily habits pretty much establish our life. So I'm I'm a huge believer in that. If anyone's looking for a book that's a good um, Kickstarter for your morning routine, um, the Miracle Morning or The Morning Miracle, I can't remember what it's called, one of those by Hal Elrod has a really good like morning routine setup. I think it's the acronym SAVERS. So it's silence, which is meditation, affirmations, visualizations, um, exercise, writing or reading. And at the last S is script, which is just writing. Uh, it's just like a little um, acronym to say like these are the things that he studied so many morning routines. And if you do like maybe what, five, 10 minutes, I think 10 minutes is what I was practicing for a while. When I was just getting started on morning routines, didn't know what to do. Someone recommended that book. And it was really helpful because it's just in one hour, you get all six of those things done. And it's kind of like really good at shaping what a morning routine would look like. Um, so that was like super helpful. I would say my podcast, I'm gonna give a shameless plug in there. What's really helped me is just talking to, I think I'm at like 35 episodes now, talking to different entrepreneurs and founders about their own habits and hobbies has been really helpful because it shows me that there are patterns, don't get me wrong, like pretty much all entrepreneurs will like, I guess, have set time aside for reading or meditating or time for their family and friends. But at the same time, like not everyone does that. Everyone has like different types of habits that that they subscribe to but it's just reinforced and taught me more than anything that is like try as much as different things as you can in your morning or in your night until you figure out what works for you and from there then do the jeremy thing of expanding on those (laughs) on those different things but um yeah i would say trying trying a bunch of different things has helped and not feeling like you have to do a morning or two if you if you get by just fine just waking up and going to work, then do that. Like what it's, it's truly like whatever works, whatever makes you happy and helps you hit your goals is what you should do. But don't delude yourself either. (laughs) (laughs) True. I probably thought that that was going okay, but maybe it's also about inspecting your life and thinking is, am I actually healthy both mentally and physically? If I don't have the, the S and the E part of the, yeah, I guess that that's where the self-awareness comes in handy and just like knowing if you are, cause I feel like I remember talking about it with you on the show is that you did, you were aware of the fact that waking up and checking email was not good for you. 
uh, yet you would tell yourself that you're like, oh, well, I have to be responsive for my company. Um, so I think we all like deep down going into trusting your instinct things. We we do have a semblance of knowing, is this okay for me? I have one friend who does know that he just, every day is different. And that's just how, it, that's just how he rolls. Like he's okay with that, but like it works for him. I know for me, I need a little bit of regimented in the morning. I've, I've always known that. And yeah, I think I, I'm a big believer also that a lot of times we already know the answer. Uh, we just kind of let the answers that society wants us to think is right take over every once in a while. And that's where that delusion that you're talking about comes in. Hello, Mand. It's been a pleasure having you on. Where can people stay in touch with you and find your work? Yeah, uh, please find me on LinkedIn. I'm That's like pretty much the only social media. I have Insta at Armand underscore Uno, but I don't really check it. Uh, but if you find me on LinkedIn, A-R-M-A-N-D-U-N-O, that's my name. I'll definitely add you. Just feel free to shoot a message or Armand at playhardpodcast.com. I answer all the emails there. And yeah, check out my podcast, the Play Hard Podcast. Wonderful. And do you have any final words or asks of our audience? Try as many different things until you find the ones that work for you. That's all I ask. And I guarantee you, you'll be better for it. Wonderful. And we'll wrap the show with that. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Focus and Chill podcast. To listen to other episodes, jump onto podcast.focusbear.io. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit, email us at team at focusbear.io. Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled, and peace out.